Today was the first day for a couple of weeks when I saw toilet paper in the store in the evening. You know, nobody really pays attention to us. We're doing our own thing and we're alone. It sometimes sounds a little hokey, but I really think it is a big thing that you, you connect with friends whom you haven't spoken to in a while. And this is the time to do that and to remember what they mean to you. We're definitely talking about things that make us human right now, even though we are stripped away from other things that we thought are very human. It's the people that stock the grocery store shelves. It's the nurses. It's the delivery drivers. Like, that's the engine of our economy. All right, we are on. Oh, ladies, gentlemen, people. The voice you hear besides this one that you may be here on a regular basis if you're subscribed. But the other voice that you're gonna be hearing today is one of Tony Pierce in LA. Hi, Tony. What's up, party people? <laughs> we have to be like a, like a radio station. It's morning drive. Um, hey, Tony, you're part of the Corona... No, wait, no. I wanna rename it. I wanna keep renaming it. It's the series about friends who are at home like everybody else in this world. And it just like, it's a nice opportunity to check in, say hello, catch up actually, but also to hear about what it looks like where they are um, and maybe what projects you're working on. So I've been doing this for, I don't know, what what, what week are you on right now? Well, I, I, I'm one of the lucky people that has not lost his job. In fact, my job, because I'm a reporter, is probably more intensified than it was before. So... I'm not on any week. Uh, my girlfriend, though, I believe is on week five or week six. So she works at a luxury hotel in Beverly Hills. And um, she's, she's kind of a, a workaholic. So she, uh, on a typical day, she would be out of this house. And sometimes I would drive her. But, but she would be ready to go two hours before work. And then... Um, probably not get home until an hour or two after work. And um, so that's like a huge chunk of her day that I would not see her. And now I get to see her lovely um, self about uh, 24 hours. Out of exactly. Day, which, yeah. is, <laughs> which I'm all on board for. I love it. She uh, did not love seeing my incredible body. Um, <laughs> 24 hours. Much at first, but um, you know, I've, uh, I've uh, drugged her with a lot of cannabis and edibles. You've won her over again. Uh, And yes, and yes, and also won her over too. It's true. It's Um, like you have to win somebody over again. Like you've won them over. They're your your partner. Um, You live together, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And then comes a pandemic and you have to win them over again. (laughs) It it is a very different relationship, yes, because – I mean, there's a lot going on, not only the, the physical closeness, because, I mean, I'm no millionaire, so I just have a simple one-bedroom apartment. There's there's not a lot of places to escape to. Also, um, for about five hours every day, I'm working intensely. You know, I've got a deadline. I've got a lot of things to do. The topics that I'm talking about are mostly coronavirus, so it's a, it's a bummer topic. And so... I'm kind of a jerk for five hours and she comes in with a sandwich and I'm barking at her like, get out of here. Because uh, unlike most people, when I focus, it is just a very narrow focus and 
I really need to concentrate because my mind wanders and, and it's hard. Plus that deadline is just ticking. So, um, so I'm super intense. So I've got to tell her, Hey, from, from noon to five, really don't even try to talk to me. And Murphy's law. That's when she's like, Hey, did you hear what Trump said? And it's like, shut up. Of course I did. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, what did he say? And yeah. so, yeah, it's, um, it's hard. Actually- there's the ongoing thing. So I live in a, a relatively small apartment. I mean, you know, Amsterdam sized apartment. Um, and indeed, my my girlfriend would also be out uh, a, a bit of a workaholic, stay late and that kind of thing. Now you're you're in the same place for a long time. And I, I, tell me if this sounds familiar. The, uh, I mean, you're you're just laying out how you try to designate certain hours as work hours, but it is an ongoing thing that I could be in one corner of the apartment, she could be in another, and she'll read something or think of something, and she'll she'll just say it or ask or comment, and I'll not know if that comment is for me, and I'll usually I'll say what or or the the thing that I've been saying a lot is hang on, and I can no longer say it here. It's been banned. I can't say hang on. Um, and all I mean is that I don't always know if we're still like talking or can I, can we just call it? I'll see you at six. I don't know. Yeah. Well, on top of all of that is this layer of, of unsurety. Um, she loves her job. She just loves it. And it, it really is more of her, uh, self-identity than even her incredible boyfriend. So she's, I feel like she's unfoundedly afraid that her job isn't going to be there, um, in the coming months. Um, but who knows, you know, who knows what's going to happen, especially with these Republican politicians who are insisting on rushing back the workforce, um, probably prematurely. Yeah. I mean, let's hold that for a second. I'll bring it back. Um, for people listening at home, the way we've been doing these shows and I, and I like doing it this way is first of all, just a little, you know, uh, what I like, Tony, you are a, a blogger, you're a writer, you're an internet person. You, you do things on the internet and that's how we know each other most of the time. Uh, although occasionally life allows us to, to meet, uh, the stars align and we see each other. Um, so we've known each other going back. I want to say somewhere before podcasting was a thing when the bus blog was churning out six to seven posts a day. Um, the, the bus blog being Tony's website for everybody at home. You'll have a link to, to read, although you're probably already reading. And, um, and I would comment and you would, you know, there would be conversations, the olden times of how that, that would work. Now the bus blog is alive and well. Um, but over these almost two decades, jobs have changed. Uh, uh, things have happened, right? But that's yes. sort of how we know each other initially, that you're writing and me reading. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, back then, there there weren't... I mean, yes, there were, there were a lot of blogs, but it felt like there was kind of like these blogs became communities. And so people like you would show up and you probably reached as many people through my comments as you would have if you had had a successful blog. And that dynamic, that community dynamic was fantastic for both of us um, because I could start a topic in the post and then you would say something really smart or really um, uh, 
funny in the comments and that would take on a life of its own and oftentimes inspire the next blog post and then everybody could roll from there. And it's funny because I remember quite clearly that most, and, and I was not even on the top tier of bloggers as far as popularity. I would, I was definitely like a B minus type of a blogger, <laughs> but yet I had 30 to 40 comments on every single post. And what's interesting about Facebook, now that we all have Facebook and Twitter and things like that, I don't ever, I don't hardly ever have 40 comments, even on a Facebook post. So for it to be on a blog post, um, showed you really just how popular blogging was back then. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it was really something that as the years go on is hard to explain to people because they don't experience it and, and new generations coming up. Uh, but yeah, that would have been a recommendation. You you published a book on the subject. Uh, if you were gonna, if you wanted to be someone who is read, if you wanted to engage audiences, then go out and leave comments and but like leave comments in a way that you're actually reading and talking and this will have good results. Uh, at the time they used to call, we had tools like track back and, and that kind of stuff. It was actually a thing that we would think about. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a different era now, but yeah, like I said, the bus blog is alive and well, and indeed you, you started today by talking about how <laughs> between certain hours you're writing, cause you're working as a journalist and we'll talk about that. Um, and you're, I've, I've read your, when you've talked about shooting lasers, uh, at, at Amber or, you know, just being horrible. And sometimes when I read it, I think, what does he mean by being horrible? Cause sometimes you, you well, you've said shooting insults and I think no, he's not really shooting insults, but like now I'm thinking maybe. Well, it's, it's a, it's a testy situation. And, and what's funny is as much as I love her and as much as I am, um, very lovey dovey when I'm not working, I'm the polar opposite when I am working and, and it's, it's like a game face kind of a situation and it has nothing to do with her. I would, I would feel the same way to anybody who walks in. Um, it's just part of reporting is you've got to learn first and then, and, and as you're doing that, you're researching and you're reading, reading, reading as fast as you can. And you're trying to, in a, in a strange way, you have to be an instant expert on, on a topic. And it's, it's a very hard, thing to do if you're not this brilliant person and I'm just a normal person. So it takes me a while to, to get a grasp on what's going on. And the, the difficulty with, um, with writing to a large audience and thank God for blogging for, for helping me train this is if you don't get it right that first time, the commenters will come out of the woodwork as they should to <laughs> check you. And, yeah. and that can be very embarrassing. So I really want to get it right the first time, which means I really have to concentrate. And so I will bark at her and it sucks because she's coming from a place of love and I'm coming from the scarcity because the, the clock is ticking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony, tell me, I mean, these are the basics these days, but I've asked all of my guests, um, you're there in LA now you're, you're originally from the Illinois Chicago land area, but you're, you're LA all the way in my eyes. It's been a lot of years. Um, what is LA like in the current, as they call it in California, shelter in place, which always sounds like people are turtles, but, uh, tell me about it. Well, they are a little like turtles. LA is, um, both wonderful and bizarre right now. It's wonderful because people here, and I think this is why the rate of infection is, is so low in California. 
people are paying attention to our governors and our mayors. And I think that's because our governor and mayor um, in L.A. have have had a unified, reasonable, scientifically based point of view, which was if you if you keep your butts at home. You're going to have a hard time contracting anything and you're going to, and you're not going to be able to spread it. So for the most part, we have stayed at home. I haven't seen the, the press conference for this morning, but uh, yesterday was the deadliest day that we had, which I think was um, 100 people died because of this, which is still pretty low compared to New York and some other cities. Um, but it, it, it's still, the, the spike is continually to go up. It's creepingly going up um, day after day. Um, as predicted, they, they said this two weeks ago that this was going to be the week that we were going to feel it the most. That came true. Um, but because everybody is staying at home, if you do want to drive from one side of town to the other, you can do it in minutes. It's, it's a dream. <laughs> and LA, it, it, I mean, I really wish there was a really good map. Um, I know some amateurs have made maps about LA where they put other cities within LA County. Um, so like the Valley is as big as I think Baltimore, um, Long Beach and all these other places are like as big as St. Louis. So you have like all these made, uh, imagine like all these like middle sized cities <clears throat> all in the same County. Um, it, and that's what LA is. It's, it's so big that the San Fernando Valley <clears throat> home of the Valley girl <laughs> has as many people as Chicago. Uh, I'm sorry. It has as many yeah. people as San Diego, but it's as large as Chicago's oh, okay. area. Okay. And so it's, and, and that's an area that hardly ever gets talked about. And so, so to be able to drive from downtown to, um, to the beach, for example, um, like right now at noon, on a weekday would usually take you about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. Now you can probably do it in 15 minutes, 16 minutes. And, and that's day or night, which to be able to see LA that quickly and to traverse from one side to the other, that, that fast is, it's a beautiful way to, to see LA. Plus the air pollution is super low. Um, we've been blessed with some rain, which, we always need here. So the skies are clear, the grass is green, the hills are green. Um, and so it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place right now. And it, and it's too bad we can't share it with the world. Cause like I said, the hotels are closed. So even if you wanted to travel here, you would, Oh, I drove around LAX. Uh, oh yeah. You wanted some last, quiet. <laughs> it was a ghost town. The only cars that we saw were cop cars. Yeah. And it, it was, it was, uh, it was a bizarre dream to be out there. Yeah. I've heard a lot about airports, including here. Uh, they're struggling to park, park planes. Like where can they park planes? Yeah. 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 I bet. They, yeah. Europe is probably a, a whole different, um, scenario. Well, cause you've, you've, it seems like you have less space in some of your places here in California. We've got air force bases nearby. We have a lot of empty spots. Yeah. Um, but I oh, have noticed, yeah. I'm sorry. No, that is interesting. Right. Right. There's other parking spaces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have noticed, uh, places like our, our sporting arenas, our baseball stadiums. Um, it seems like rental cars or car dealerships are parking their vehicles in those parking lots because it seems like it's more safe. I also think that people are a little bit nervous that if, if these, um, 
these checks from the government don't come that if there is a riot, probably the best place to throw a brick is at a car, car dealership and you can knock out a couple cars at the same time. Um, and so, so I think a lot of these car dealerships are, are wise to move them all to the fabulous forum where the Lakers used to play. And, um, and then you just have one security guard at that parking lot. What, what what's the food like over there? Because that's one thing that that was of issue here in L.A. was we had a hard time getting food for the first couple of weeks, uh, fresh vegetables, um, pasta, of all things, on top of the toilet paper. What's the TP situation like out there? Uh, well, so we're in week six, I think. Let's just go with that. Um, and the first week, uh, certainly after the prime minister sort of said, hey, this is going to be a while and it's not going to be great. Um, the TP thing was they had to start telling people minimum one per or minimum one pack per person. And they had to start keeping them behind the counter, uh, which, by the way, I see was a, an entry on your on your blog uh, today or yesterday about someone keeping the TP from Tijuana behind the counter. Yeah, <laughs> you got to bring it in. Um, and then it's true that there was a run on pasta. And, and that's been said. So th this city loves, I think, a lot like L.A., People just go eat at restaurants or or order from restaurants, even in normal times. And I think this is a bit of a shock for a lot of people because they have to cook. And there must be some terrible things happening at home right now in terms of food. So people ran for all the pasta. It was hard to get any kind of spaghetti. And it was just odd. It's all gone. Um, now, after about three, I want to say two or three weeks... The pasta situation normalized. The toilet paper situation started to normalize. Right now, the strangest situation, in my opinion, and I want to hear like a podcast like Planet Money get into this, is flour. Now, what's interesting about the Netherlands is there are a lot, I don't know if you and I back then, we definitely went on boat rides, but I don't think we went so far out of the city. But if you just ride for, let's say, 35 minutes, you can be at a farm and that farm is producing a number of things, including food. Um, so green vegetables, there are plenty. But then again, there were times that, for that first week, especially where the shelves were, were empty and you had to come back tomorrow, go back early. So vegetable-wise, I think we're pretty good. But there are some things I don't understand, including flour. There's lots of windmills. A lot of them are just for water. But there's, a, there's an element of produ flour production in this country. But in the city, um, it's, it's, it's just taken quickly. And... I was in a supermarket, I guess a week or two ago, and it was the first time I saw a flat, like packs of flour and uh, they had just been put on the shelf and these little old ladies came and like, they didn't look left or right. They looked right at the flour and they didn't just take one. They took everything that was on the shelf, filled their cart and, and off they went. And it was either that they really, really like to make things with flour. They're running a bakery secretly and this is their supply. It, but it was done so matter-of-factly. So I don't know. I think there's a whole... I don't want to pin it all on old ladies, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but there's several small cults in this city that are hogging up the flower. I went out of the city um, the last few days to the countryside, and I asked around, and people were like, we have no problems with flower. 
And I was like, okay, it's a city thing somehow. So um, let's just rewind a second. How cool is it that you just jump on a boat and <laughs> float your way over yeah. to It's a healthy a farm. distance from others. Yeah. Yeah. Or I How biked I biked to the countryside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what's the bicycling like? Um are are the bike paths uh empty? No. No, and and so there's some strange things happening. And it's funny because there's a tendency here because the president of the U.S. is loud, of course, and, and hard to miss, but also because, look, it's always been true since the days of reality TV. If you want to find, you know, Americans who have some, the Tiger King, you know, who do some weird stuff, <laughs> if you just do a little looking, you're going to find it. And a lot like, I mean, people within the country, but people in Europe, they like to watch these things and go, oh my goodness, what is that? Oh, the United States. So uh, there is this tendency to look at the U.S. with the people protesting now. Uh, so people in the future, it was a thing, right? There's protests and people are saying they want to open up the country again. Anyway, um, in this country, we don't have such protests, but there is something unspoken going on where people are going out more and more. They're hanging out more and more. They're, yeah, keeping a distance from one another, but they're still pretty close to each other. And when it comes to cycling, they're they're right behind each other. And, and then no one wants to wait for um, someone who's biking slowly. So you still get past if you're kind of enjoying yourself and too relaxed. So you're getting everyone's, uh, what's that called? Slipstream. And you, yeah, I, I know what everybody smells like and I must have everybody's bacteria, you know. Um, so, and people just don't, they don't have a plan for how to handle it. They don't, so they're just going. So what I see happening here at the same time of these, these famous protests in the U S, um, is that there's a general spirit of like, we've been doing this for a while. We're going to start coming out more often and we're not going to worry about all the rules we've been worrying. Like, and, and there's no news so far of a, like a regression. So everyone's just going forward with it. Um, it's kind of like a secret belief that we're good. Everything is fine now. It's not going to mm -hmm. happen to us anymore. And you and, know that's and, and 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 you're saying because our president is such an, a knucklehead that this is um, uh, influencing the good people of Holland. No, I, <laughs> I think that there's a tendency to look at him and anyone who maybe follows his words and go, "Oh, we're not like that." But then to actually do things that are not that different. There is a spirit here of we got to get the economy back, like I guess everywhere. Let's, you know, let's go, let's buy, let's let's sell, let's open up some more businesses. They're not loud. They don't carry guns and they don't have a leader. Well, yeah, they don't have a Trump, but but there's a certain underlying uh, similarity here. I find they just don't really? think that there is, which makes it even easier to do because you just now you guys you guys have a king over there, right? Yeah, yeah, the king's sheltered in place as well. Okay, so I mean, does he have any influence over the the people? He he gave uh, early on. He gave his you know, dear people. This is not going to be easy. I feel for you, farmers. Uh, respect the rules. He did one of those, and I think he even tried to start a campaign uh, where people hang hearts in a window or something, or, or maybe he borrowed it. So every now and then, I see hearts in windows, and it might say the king's name or something. Or follow right. the king's advice. Yeah. By the way, I, I just saw, because we do have video on, uh, though it's a podcast, and I just saw the cat. I don't know which it was, if it was Prince or Michael. Look at you, man. <laughs> that was Michael. God bless you. Yes, that was Michael. Michael, 
Yeah, the cats love that we're here. Um, really? And at first, they loved it because Amber, because her heart is so full of love, um, would be feeding them a little bit more than they should. And so now we are on a, a much more stricter regime. And uh, they just got fed about an hour ago, and they're, they're, they got a little energy in them. Um, it is good to be around them. It's nice. They're, they're sweet animals. I um, see a lot more well, missing cat posters, by the way, as I walk around this town. <laughs> what is really? that? Yeah. I think cats I are know. like, I mean, yours are not, but I think some cats are like, hey, wait, this is our time. This is our place before. Yeah. Well, let, let's go back, though, to the good people of Amsterdam not being able to, to keep it together. Because we had somebody said something so interesting on Twitter or whatever it was uh, saying, and Frank. Uh, uh, sheltered in place for how long and you guys can't sit in front of your TV and smoke weed and watch Netflix and play video games. What's wrong with you? And now literally the people of Anne Frank's town can't keep it together. I, you know, look, yeah. I, part of it is that when you look outside and it's been sunny for five weeks straight, oh, that oh, almost oh. never happens here. So you're asking people not just to fight against their tendency to want to go out and, and wherever, but there's also this worship of the sun that can only happen once a year for a couple of days. And, and so so people are, I, don't, I think that the, part of what's going on, and it's an interesting thing, because you remember Jamie, Jamie Baud? Uh, oh, blogger? sure. Of course, right? Common friend of ours. Uh, he, you know, thank, I mean... It's sad in some ways. I mean, your, yours is still excellent, but but blogs are not what they were, you know, the the, the larger constellation of them. But uh, I'm very happy that some people still do great things with Instagram. And, and, you know, Jamie's one of those people that, thanks to Instagram, I know still a lot about how he's, what he's seeing, or at least what he wants me to see, right? Or what he wants us to see. So we got into a few little chit-chat comments the other day, and I said, you know, how's Brooklyn, Right. And he and I said, it's it seems kind of nice because he, he shows these pictures from his roof sometimes, you know, the BQE. And uh, he said, well, you know, first of all, as an immunocompromised person that he is uh, little, you know, I got to be extra careful. The other thing is I'm in the neighborhood of a hospital that's carting people out by the dozens bodies. So I don't feel too great. And what that reminded me of and why this ties into the people of Amsterdam is that if I look out my window and I look around my neighborhood, you would love it. I mean, people are gardening. There's street gardens now because we don't park cars anymore. Um, people are uh. talking to each other. Now, they're at a distance, okay, more or less because some people forget. Um, but you won't see bodies. You won't, you know, you'd have to ask around a little before you finally find someone who knows someone who's sick. I mean, it doesn't take long, but, um, and I think part of what's happening is we live in this area where there's not a lot of elderly anymore because we're too hip. So the people of this part of Amsterdam are like, we're all right, let's get back to it, you know? And, mm. and in that sense, I say they share something, <laughs> something with Americans who are saying, hey, we got to get back to our, you know, our sports, our, econ our economy, all of it. Um, but, but people here would deny it up and down. They would say, no, 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 no. We've, we're keeping a distance. When we hang out, you know, having a drink by the canal, we're keeping one meter from everybody. And I'm, you know, I guess so. Uh, but I see a lot of activity that, that we would have deemed risky six weeks ago, five weeks ago. And now it's like, didn't we do enough? So 
Yeah. Well, well, what's what's interesting about about what you're telling me is <clears throat> I was under the impression that the people who want to get out of their house aren't doing it because they have cabin fever. The, the people here in the United States, my belief was they were doing it to own the libs, to stick it to the Democrats, to support the Republicans who have never really believed in science, who never really believed in um, good social uh, movements. And when they see how the president, our president, was reluctant to stop shaking hands, has never worn a mask, and all those kind of things that I guess they deem to be punk rock and macho and, and all these things, that, that when you see the protests in Michigan and in Georgia, these are um, conservative states. And for the most part, these are people with Trump hats and, and um, Confederate flags and things like that. So I always assume that the people who um, are chomping at the bit to leave their houses and go back to work, quote unquote, are just partisan, ignorant people. But it sounds like um, what you're saying about Amsterdam is, no, it's gorgeous outside. You don't get a lot of beautiful sunshine compared to L.A. Um, and they don't see the illness happening. And because this is an invisible virus, you, you don't know where it is. And so you just assume, OK, even if I get it, there's a good chance that I'm not going to die from it, which is a very selfish way of looking at things because you still might be able to mm-hmm. give it to somebody else who will die. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you're telling me this because I, I just thought that all of this was rooted in politics. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's slightly rooted in economics. I want to try this. I don't know. I haven't thought too much about this, but there is a sense of privilege. We live in a nice place. Uh, we don't have those problems. We don't even have those crazy people. Uh, so, so we're good and we look good and it looks good outside and I'm healthy. Let's go out there. And I mean, that's, that's how I hear it, you know, and I'm just one person giving you a a breakdown of what's going on. It worries me on the one hand, their bet may work out, right? We may be out of it, uh, which then they can sit back and say, ah, we didn't do anything wrong. All good. On the other hand, they may be wrong and overconfident. And that's that's what worries me. Overconfidence in general with this kind of issue really worries me. And I'm not even worried about being right. You know, I think that's something we often get obsessed with. I was right about telling you to not do that or to do that. I think it's nothing to do with being right right now. It's just a matter of like, are you being overconfident? And, and here I'm starting to feel it, especially in the cities, um, and I, and I don't know about the U S and especially not LA, the overconfidence, the rise of overconfidence. No, it's the opposite here. In fact, they, they just released a poll that, uh, the people of California, it might've been LA are overwhelmingly in the majority that we need to just be cool until, until the doctors say, and the scientists say it's all good. And, and I think in part that might be because, the state and the city have done their best to um, dole out a few bucks for businesses and for the people. Um, and even though it's scary because is there, is this the, the blueprint of uh, a, a depression in the future of inflation of all those other things? Um, we're not so sure, 
But for the meantime, if you can still buy your groceries and if you can still pay your rent without working and if unemployment holds up, then, you know, it's, it's annoying and it sucks. And, and a lot of people actually lost their jobs. Unlike my girlfriend who was only furloughed, um, some of these jobs are gone, gone. Yeah. You've written about newspapers, right? Some papers closing down. Yeah. We've, we, the richest man in LA, um, is a doctor and he bought the LA times a couple of years ago. And he, um, when you buy the LA times, you also buy all the little papers that the LA times have bought over the years. And these little papers, uh, handle cities like Burbank and Glendale. And they were around for like a hundred years. And when the LA times continued to grow, they kept these local newspapers because they only employed like three or four people. And those three or four people would go to like city hall meetings and and talk about things that are hyper specific just to that city. It's no way to run a, a local newspaper, but at least it was something. And um, and sometimes something amazing would happen in that city, and that would end up in the, in the main paper as well. And so uh, last week he shut down three of them, and um, and fired most of them. I think one or two of them ended up back on the LA Times, but it was heartbreaking because this man is worth six and a half billion dollars. And you'd figure this is the wrong time to send people out into the cold, especially because in the United States, your health care is tied to your employment. And so for a doctor to send journalists out into the cold where the job market is, there is none, um, is, is heartless, especially when we're in the middle of a health crisis. So how are these people supposed to get health insurance um, without spending an arm and a leg? And if you worked for the Burbank leader, it's not like you're making a ton of cash anyhow. So um, at Los Angelino, we have been very critical of this. And, and it's sad because the journalists of the LA Times argue things like, hey, man, um, don't rock the boat because uh, we're, we're still lucky here. that this guy bought us. Because um, only mm. a few years ago, this terrible corporation owned us and was doing even worse things. And so, don't make it. Don't don't upset the rich guy. Because what if the rich guy leaves? And I'm like, the job of the journalist is not to appease the rich of all things. You know, the the job of the journalist is to tell you when it's raining outside that it's raining to tell you when somebody's being greedy that they're being greedy and yes if it ruffles the feathers of somebody and out of spite or out of uncomfortableness he decides to do something about his businesses then so be it but we shouldn't assume that um criticizing the powerful is a dangerous thing that is the thing of journalism and so give me a freaking break, man. And I'm sorry that your, 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 your sugar daddy is, uh, might have a thin skin. Not my problem. Yeah. My problem is the actual journalists that are on the, on the, are, are terrified right now. Cause where do they work? What do they do? Also, we need local journalism. We need hyper local journalism. We need to know what's happening in Burbank and in Glendale and all these other places. And, um, and I'm actually very disappointed that the LA Times 
never wrote an, uh, an editorial about the fact that these newspapers were gone. Because if it had been some other billionaire, let's say Jeff Bezos owned it and didn't own the Times, they would have had one editorial after another saying Jeff Bezos is a, is a greedy MFer. And um, it's, 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 it's really, really sad because I love all these people and we're kind of on opposite sides of the fence on this one right now. Um, and I can understand their point of view. They are, they too are scared, you know, because the LA times announced last week that their advertising because of this disease is probably going to dip by like 50 to 75%. Um, because if a store is not open, why would it advertise? If, if a car dealership can't sell cars, why should it put out a full page ad, you know? And so if business is, is non-existent, so are your advertisements. And, and likewise, and I don't know how it is in Europe, but here they care a lot more about digital subscribers than they used to. And, and so if you want access to the LA Times, there's a paywall. And so to get around the paywall, you've got to pay a couple bucks a month. But if everybody's unemployed, they're not going to pay for the newspaper. You know, so it's it's all these economic pressures that are all surrounding journalism right now that make it. Um, a very scary time. Yeah. No, but I think what you say is, I mean, people have different opinions on it, but I, I, I feel strongly for what you said that this is a time where you need that person on the ground uh, in that town. Uh, it, it's, it's not the time for not having them. Um, I've been working the last few years a lot in Africa, uh, East Africa, and I've been working with journalists, young journalists, people who maybe one day will be journalists. And Time like this, you you can't find an international correspondent in East Africa. You, you need people on the ground who you know you, you can handle the work, you know how they you need these relationships and you need to be able to pay people. Um, yeah. you know. Yeah. Expended with time Placing the song of the lake and the light Temperance tempers its shine Relying instead on the spotlight so bright They found a sword on the climb up the mountain Swung it You know, there's something I was thinking about and there's no good answer for it, but I'll bring it up. Um, some people say we're about to... We're, we're, when this is done, so to speak, the coronavirus, and that we're going into a new era and it'll be different. And then others, as we've talked about, just want to go back to, is it over? Can we go back to the way we always did things? I want to go to my favorite, you know, taco stand. I want to go to my favorite bar. Um, and I'm, I kind of, I'm in the camp. I'm pretty sure I'm in the camp of, I want us to be different. You talked about LA and I mean, I've been wanting to go there anyway, but now the way you talk about it, I think, that's a better LA. Um, and then people will say, yeah, but that's because no one can work right now. So, you know, it's, it's a trade-off and, and the normal is the LA that's, you can't go anywhere. At least you're stuck in traffic half the day. The air is bad. It's so weird how this, the emergency is not normal, even though it has elements that are so much better for human life. And we can't somehow strive for that because we have to strive for going back. I, I'm still wondering if, if we're learning anything, basically. No, I think we're learning an incredibly valuable lesson. And I'm so glad you brought this up because for a long time, 
Um, and because the United States is so, so big, you get all these different points of view and it's hard to convince people in Alabama that the California way of life would also be of benefit to them. Um, and so what we're all seeing right now is things like um, science is so important. Things like um, uh, truthful politicians are so important. Healthcare that's not tied to your, your employment is so important. All these democratic planks over the last couple of years that were poo-pooed by conservatives because they were like, yeah, sure, you guys talk about air pollution and global warming, but really what can be done about that? <laughs> what do you think? Take all the cars off the road? You know, the world would end. Um, you know, um, well, the world has intended. We, we have sheltered in place. We have mellowed out. The world is, a, is economically in a, in a more screwed up place, but um, if you can't breathe, that's worse. And so I think what this pa uh, pandemic has done is it's shown us we can stop on a dime. We can change things very quickly. Um, uh, when we work as a team for medicine, and especially medicine that's affordable for everybody, we can work and cooperate together. It, this is an international thing. We are all one people. Um, what happens in China affects us in the United States and affects people in Italy and affects everybody. So all of these like hippy dippy things that um, conservatives and other ignorant people, um, either intentionally ignorant or politically ignorant, um, have been battling are totally unfounded. And and I, I'm, I'm sorry, their their arguments against it are now unfounded. Right. And it's possible. And things, it's been shown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and things like hygiene. Oh, also homelessness. It's yeah. like, OK, so we're all sheltering in place. And so we're healthy. But if we haven't taken care of our homeless people and they have been infecting each other and now they now we we are released out into the wild and they spread it for second or third wave. Who, who is to blame for that? It is all the people who didn't try to fix homelessness in the first place. And so it's like all these like very interesting and very hard social dilemmas um, uh, are, have all met together in this pandemic. And it, it also shows you um, who a good leader is, um, <laughs> you know, because the good leaders have risen to the top. Um, Mark, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York was not considered one of the, the top Democratic leaders no, out no, there. No. But today, if the if the if in a perfect world, if the presidential election was held today, he'd probably win by a landslide. He'd lose to Gavin Newsom. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. He'd lose to, lose to Gavin Newsom. That's the thing. <laughs> well, I, I think I think Andrew deserves our vote because Ooh. he he weathered a real storm, even mm. though they have a, a much higher death count. Um, I think it's a lot harder to deal with a terrible tragedy with coolness than uh, a slight tragedy. And, and I don't want to diminish anybody who, who died with this, but it seems like what happened in New York could have been way worse. And he handled it with such, such professionalism. It was, it was really amazing. So, and, and meanwhile, there's other leaders who have just totally shit the bed. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's like, it, 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 sometimes it takes something like this to, um, it's a very sexist way to uh, say it, but to, 
to divide the men from the boys. And, and, and we see that there's a, a bunch of little boys out there who just can't handle it. Um, that's sexist because the, the governor of Michigan, a woman, has handled this very well. Very well, yeah. And yeah. Um, Angela and, Merkel, and other, uh, the, the German, the German uh, chancellor. I mean, I don't know if my German listeners are, are fans, and, and but the way, like, I've watched her press conferences here and there this last few weeks, and the way she explains, I mean, it's. I don't think it matters what your politics are, and she really shows it. Like, not now. Yeah. You know. So, uh, so, to, so to answer your question, I think that this will spin off to very positive. Um, lessons learned things, yeah. very positive yeah. um, and let's hope that at least in the US um, it will be easier for people like um, uh, President Obama when he was trying to give health care to a lot of people um, it, it, it took a lot for him to do that and hopefully the next time that the people want to revise medic, uh, medical insurance in the US we can point to this and say, um, we can't play around with this anymore. And pharmaceutical companies don't get to decide uh, mm -hmm. the policies. Um, doctors should yeah. decide the policies. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Tony. Well said. Um, you're about to start your Friday, uh, but let me ask you, I mean, as I ask everybody, maybe as our as our closer for today, um, everybody's got their projects and you've said your job goes on, uh, you're busy. Um, what are you, whether it's related to the what we're going through or not, I don't see how it can't be related. What are you really, what are your eyes on when it comes to what you're writing about? Um, yeah, where are you focused? Well, I, I've always, I, I mean, even though the bus blog was kind of about me, uh, whenever I do things for work, it's about everything else but me. And so um, I'm the senior editor at losangelino.com. And what I love about this job is I get to, I have the freedom to talk to pretty much anybody who I want to in Los Angeles about their life. And so um, I've talked to, um, one of my favorite stories recently was I talked to a doctor in uh, Palm Springs about using um, the hydrochloric Quinn, um, yeah. yeah, that President Trump uh, told people, what do you got to lose? <laughs> and this guy is actually in the ICU treating people and using it. And he was like, eh, I don't know if it works or not, but if, if, if bicycle Mark is dying, I'm going to, I'll put Kool-Aid in his blood if I have to, you know? Mm. So, so oh, yeah. that was a cool guy to talk to. Um, later today, I'll be talking to some porn stars, strippers, and other sex workers about what their jobs are like when they can't really do their jobs. Um, and so, um, I mean, that's the good thing about uh, about picking your own assignments. You're like, let me talk to the. Let me do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a. Uh, I live next to a what we might refer to as a mini red light district. And they shut that down right away with the, with the lockdowns. And it's so odd. Um, you can now, among other things, 
uh, for me anyway, I can now stop and look in a window and see like all the little details, the furniture, the little space heater, um, everything, everything that looks nice, sad. It's just an empty room. And it's so weird. These empty rooms, normally you can't really, I mean, if you're going to look, there's going to be a woman and she, it's, it's a whole thing. But it's, I, we, my girlfriend and I constantly go like, I wonder where they are and what they're doing. And we always kind of go, eh, internet, but that's not maybe the whole story. I, I highly recommend trying to get it one or two of them on your podcast because I'm sure they have an interesting story to tell. And what's what, what I assume these, um, especially the porn stars are going to tell me, is that now there's all these uh, free cam sites where, you know, you, you give the girl a token through your computer and she gets paid and she talks dirty or does whatever she's going to do. Um, I hear that 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 ha- that business is is booming right now because everybody's stuck at home and they got nothing to do. So talking dirty to a pretty girl, you know, is is something you do yeah. in between uh, yeah. video games. Yeah. But the other thing that I've I've been writing about is marijuana. Yeah. And and how because coronavirus is a lung uh, illness how people aren't smoking pot as much and, and they're eating it or they're doing these tinctures, these little droplets of THC. And um, they assume that that's just a healthier way to get high than to smoke in a joint. And so I've talked to a a bunch of manufacturers of edibles and um, experts and it hasn't gotten me to eat a lot of edibles, but it's gotten me on that path. Okay. And yeah. And so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Very. Yeah. These sort of shifts uh, that may, again, these things that may last actually things that may continue uh, even after the crisis, actually, if more people You're get right. into it. Hmm. You're right. Yeah. So Tony, I want to let you get to work, but it's good to see you, you on the video and uh, good Great to hear your voice. You. I think a lot of the listeners will remember your appearances on this program. So I think this will another classic. <laughs> I'm glad to know you're doing all right. Uh, and, and great that you're, you're writing. Um, I, you know, a quickie, I, I, I've been reading, you remember Fletch, right? The movie and, and, uh, Oh yeah, sure. I've Jimmy been reading Chase. the books. I didn't know that was a thing. They're amazing. They they're amazing. They remind me of you and me in some ways, but, um, they're fantastic. They're written the really? way the bus blog would be written. Yeah, I'll see if I can get you. Uh, we'll, we'll work on well, that. We, I've got this great. See, that's the funny thing about all this is when you were stuck in traffic, when you did have to take an hour to get from point A to point B, um, I would listen to um, books Sorry. on tape. Oh, <laughs> a lot of people are listening to podcasts, and yeah. I hear that podcast numbers are are going down right now because people don't have those commutes. Yeah. Are you noticing that on your uh, stats? I try never to look. That's one of my yeah. uh, how to podcast <laughs> tips. I don't look at stats because I think you'll obsess about them. And they're so um, spread over different services now that one day someone's got to write about there's a lot of fraud in the numbers game. But uh, So I don't look, but I know what you're talking about. Everyone tells me I would be listening. I have to catch up because I'm not commuting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so I would listen to a lot of books as I was driving around LA because you know it's it's going to suck if you don't have something going on, and um, and so I have I have stopped really listening to books on tape. Also, because I'm so incredibly busy, like you wouldn't believe, like this disease has made 
my job harder because there's so many stories to tell. Mm. <laughs> there, there, there's there's um, um, a woman who works at a grocery store that I'm trying so hard to interview, but she's nervous about doing it because she's going to be dissing her customers. She's going to be dissing her bosses. It's a very unsafe place for her to work. And yet even her union won't back her and give her the safety precautions that she needs. And I think that's such an important story that I'm willing to do something that I never do, which is allow her to talk without me naming her grocery store or her own name. Yeah. And so, um, but she's reluctant to talk in any other situation. I'd be her, I'd be writing her every other day, sending her flowers, candy, anything I can to like encourage her to tell her, her truth because she is in a way speaking for lots of grocery store workers in LA and, um, and her story needs to come out. But because I have all this other stuff happening, um, I'm not hurting for stories right now. And, and so it's like, I mean, I, 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 I'm only one man, Mark, you know, <laughs> and I want to tell these stories. I'm not the fastest writer. So it yeah. kind of sucks that I can't tell everybody's story because these are all timely stories too. You know, in a month, yeah. we're, we're not going to want to hear, or hopefully uh, in a month, but when this is over, we're not yeah. going to want to hear anything about coronavirus. And I believe, um, uh, idealistically that if we do tell these stories of these grocery store workers, maybe that will influence the, the unions and all these other people to do better things. Um, I don't have that same hope for the billionaire newspaper owner to knock it off during the pandemic. And it's okay to lose a half million dollars or a hundred million dollars. Um, when everybody is losing their shirts, you know, it's, it's okay, dude. I mean, you're going to be okay with the other stuff five billion dollars you got under your mattress it's going to be okay you know so um but i'm glad that this pandemic brought us back together exactly you look exactly the same what the <laughs> hell are you smoking in <laughs> you even your beard isn't gray what uh, is it that you're doing you keep the, the tip is this doesn't work for you but you keep the beard short and the grays don't appear if i go long with the beard the grays appear for now Whatever you're doing, keep doing, man. Is are you a vegetarian? What is it? I am. I am. Oh, there you go. Oh, is that it? Is there that what research go. has shown? Well, let, let me ask you a couple questions if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I cannot wait to go to my favorite resort out in um, Palm Springs when this is all said and done. Oh yeah, I think um, I know those photos. Yeah. You are a world traveler, and I really admire you about that. Where 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 are you going to go when the all clear is uh, uh, alarmed or sounded? So, so I mean, it's, it's really easy. Like I, I miss, um, the, the family farm, so to speak in Portugal, I would go to Portugal. It's an easy trip. It's there and it's springtime. I would, I would go there. Um, and I'll probably go there relatively soon when whatever the next level of all this, like phase one, if we want to use that language, phase two, I would go there first because I just want to be in grandma's house. There's no grandma anymore. There's no grandpa, but still it's the place. And knowing that you can't go there is a strange feeling. Now I have a let that a little bit for my, for my, to see my parents and my brother who are in the U S but there, there are people that I can talk to. You know, the, the, the farm and such in Portugal, there's no one there I can really 
talk to per se. I need to just go. I need to be. And I'm and I just knowing that you can't is annoying. Um, yeah. So you, so you've got this empty uh, family farm. Is no is it is it like truly empty right now? Um. Well, it's mostly a house with a pretty large garden around it, and then a few little like land that you that we we have fruit trees. So the fruit trees kind of take care of themselves unless a drought hits, which hasn't happened. Um, so those fruits are coming. Uh, where are we? I mean, come June, we've got plums everywhere, and I definitely wanted to get some of those. If I don't make the plum season, I can make um, peach season, which is. <laughs> You know, so it kind of takes care of itself, we could say. Uh, that's the first place and I would so, go. And so you fly there from, from Amsterdam? Yeah, you're there in three hours. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and it's really wow. easy. I have a whole routine. I do it every few months. I mean, you know, this whole thing with the crisis does make me rethink how often I travel. Some of the traveling I do, I don't want to do. It's for work. Um, but some of it I do, which is I have this existence in portugal i also have this existence in the u.s the u.s has become a once a year thing still that's that's flying and portugal is a, a two to three times a year thing and part of the reason i can do that is low cost travel there's so many options to go to portugal because these dutch people love it there um wow. and i don't know you know when people talk about we should fly less i sometimes think well you know if if that is really what what you know, if these airlines close down, I, I would have to fly less. I would have to go with that in a way. I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm still hanging, clinging to this idea of like, no, but I like going there and I've been able to do it. And I don't know. I don't know. It's a harder time to have this multiple, as, as privileged as this sounds, you know, your multiple home identity thing. You know, my parents are in Florida. They love Florida. It's oh good. Yeah. Because my brother's afraid, in New Jersey. They're in uh, uh, New York still. Yeah, no, no, but my brother's in New Jersey. So it's like, ah, I got these people in different places that I'm worried about and, and would just like to be able to be around. Um, so I think many of us have that, right? You've got your family in, in uh, Illinois, among other places. Yeah. Um, so No, I, I, would, I wouldn't consider it privilege. I would, I mean, yes, a little bit privilege, but it's, it's the, when you have real economies where the 1% don't own half of the, half of everything um people should be if, if if people should be allowed to have lives a real life and in canada they have cottages oh yeah and, you know like in russia which we don't consider wealthy people to, have dachas yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like i mean and what what i like about the fact that you go to portugal is i've always thought i've always believed that Travel, especially international travel, makes people more compassionate towards others. And when you're when you're holed up in your one little square mile, you um, you don't grow as a human, and you become very selfish. And and this is what surprises me so much about our president is this guy is a world traveler. He has seen everything, and yet he acts like he's this hillbilly in the middle of the mountains, and he doesn't understand that women uh have issues that yeah. should be addressed yeah. and sh they should be treated with respect that minorities have have things that you should probably be cool about um he acts like he didn't learn one thing by traveling and and that is the polar opposite of what i've seen from my friends like you who do a lot of traveling is you point. guys actually help me grow hmm. as a person 
And so I'm glad that you do all this stuff because it, 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 um, it's contagious. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've learned a ton from you as well. And, and, um, you, you, you do make me think about something and, you know, in Trump's case, it's, it's, yeah, he traveled, but it's, it's the wealth, right? It's the, it's the, like you said, the 1% thing. And we just had the, um, the NFL draft, and I haven't seen, I saw the results, but I haven't seen any of the video, but I kept thinking, oh my God, there's going to be like home camera, cameras at home at owner's houses. And if anyone is going to sound like they don't really know anything about the world, but they have a lot of money, it's probably yeah. an NFL owner. Like I was scared of Jerry Jones kind of just saying things and no one there to stop him or, or but I haven't seen any of the results. And yeah. it, it was actually a very... I couldn't care one bit about the NFL draft. I love football, but I don't care about the draft because it still makes me sad that all these people, I mean, in a weird way, it's, it's kind of like, I kind of look at like it as slavery. Like, okay, we put this man on the stump who, who wants Bidding. to own him for the next three years until oh, yeah. his leg gets broken. Yeah. I say that, but I still love football. I hear I mean, you. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite, but yeah. The interesting thing about this draft that I, I, I'm sure that you're going to enjoy too is, yes, you do get a, a few minutes from the owner and the GM and sometimes the head coach's um, home office with all their footballs and plastic and all this stuff. But to me, the interesting part was seeing these players in their the houses that they grew up in. And it was interesting that some of the players come from wealth. Or maybe they did the shooting at the, the wealthy relative's house. But it seems like these were all their homes. And I don't know if they did a makeover the last couple of weeks to, to shoot this or not. Because some of these houses were amazing. And that makes sense because football is an expensive sport for some people. Um, and, uh, and sometimes the wealthy person can afford a home gym and all those kind of things for their 16-year-old. Um, but some of these people were very poor and it was obvious. And, um, and so it was, it was very interesting to watch, uh, the family dynamic, uh, who's the girlfriend. Oh my God, the girlfriend's pregnant. You know, uh, uh, what's the mom look like? What's the dad like the sofas? You know, it was, it was all a very interesting peek into these families lives for just a brief second Yeah, as their kids were about to get rich. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, yeah. but oh, at the same time, a lot of times they, they blow through their money so fast and right. you're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so anyways, I, I think you're going to enjoy the draft because huh. the other, th the other good thing about it being virtual is it went fast. Okay. It was kind of like, it was kind of like a fantasy draft. Like they all kind of <laughs> knew what they wanted to do. And I think when they're able to make the decision with, by themselves and not be in the war room, they're able to make a quick decision. Okay, I'm going to try this. Yeah, no, because, and again, you don't have to be a sports fan, although I'm sure it helps, but it's something about seeing how another sample of humanity and some, yeah, when on issues of inequality, on issues of economics, of, of what a person's life is worth. I mean, it's really odd and interesting. Yeah, I'm in. Hey, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for taking great the time. Great talking to you. And uh, I'll be in touch. All right, man. Give, give my favorite uh, European country my love. I will. 
Tony Pierce is the man behind busblog.com and a major influence on my online publishing life. He's editor at large at Los Angelino. Link in the show notes. Music on today's podcast is by Ghost Into Your Piano, Chad Crouch, Ketza, Mella, and right here, Tom Brousseau from his latest album, Rarities. As the global pandemic continues, I will also continue with another conversation real soon with someone from a different corner of the planet on what life is like and what they're working on during this time of corona. Until then, uh, there's always the past shows on citizenreporter.org. Do subscribe in your podcast app. People say podcast listenership is down. I don't worry about that. I know you're out there and I'm glad when you're listening. So until then, take care. See you soon. See ya. Show what you want me to Haven't I